0: In the fall each year we all congregate, the found all gathered at the church of getting The scriptures reading from the book of Munson, our favorite verse, my God of precious. Drunk and obnoxious, notches well, Georgia faith, ain't enough to find her in the lane. Now the three thousand of our best friends, it's Saturday and that thing.
1: Welcome to the Saturday Athens Podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I'm
0: your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. What's up, brother? What's up, man? It's been a while since I've seen your face. Uh, I think it was our 150th since the last time we actually did an episode. It's been a minute.
1: Yeah, it's been a minute. We've had a lot of Georgia Story interview series this summer, have a few more of those coming, which are going to be great. Uh, but have a lot of stuff to want to talk about and kind of want to lead that off with... Recapping media days in Nashville, we had the opportunity to go and and first off, we posted a video video to this subject, but we wouldn't have been there without people listening to the show and without the growth that's happened over the three plus years that James and I and I have been doing this. So uh, thank you for listening. And uh, as always, if you can, please share it with your friends, please share it with your family, please. Uh, follow us on social media. We want to be as engaged as possible with you guys and, and hit topics that y'all want us to hit. And the way we do that is by hearing from you and by having more people listen and follow. And the more people that follow the cooler stuff that we get to do, whether it be media days in Nashville or the Heisman ceremony in New York, uh, with Stetson being there and hopefully some more of that kind of stuff in the future. So please go on wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to us, download us, share with your friends and family. We would, we'd really appreciate that. So, Let's start off with the sad news about Media Days first. It was supposed to be a boys' trip, and my man had a lot (laughs) of travel issues. So I'm going to let you start with that.
0: So I was supposed to leave Monday morning at 5.30 a.m. Well, my flight left. I was supposed to leave my house at 5.30. My flight left at 7. I live about 30 minutes away from the airport. So it's a very small airport in Richmond, Virginia. So not a not a large trek not doesn't take me long to get through the airport. I got a update alert from JetBlue around nine o'clock, nine thirty ish. I think um, that my flight, my flight leaving Richmond to go to Boston which was where my layover was, was delayed. And I wasn't going to be leaving until 9am. And that was going to make me miss my connecting flight from Boston to Nashville. So I, you can't call them for, for some reason. You can only uh, do a chat the chat wait was over five hours long, so they could not get me in another flight in any airline that got me into Nashville until Tuesday after Kirby's presser. I think they weren't going to be able to get me into Nashville. My flight would have landed around 1, a, 1 p.m. Nashville time Tuesday. So that was the so my only other option. And I didn't find this out until around 4 a.m., I think, on monday morning was when i found out that information so after being up till 4 a.m my only option at this point then was to drive to nashville which is around a nine hour drive I needed a little bit of sleep upper five hours got up at 9 a.m eastern time and was like there's no way i can do this drive at this point so wasn't going to be able to do that and ended up getting a refund for my flight and not being able to make the trip so, honestly, I'm really sad I missed the, the media days, but I'm more sad because we haven't seen each other since Atlanta last year when we went to the Oregon game. So, it's been yeah. – now it's been 11 months since we've hung out, and God knows when we'll actually get another opportunity. So, that's I'm more sad about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the same for me. That was the thing I was most sad about is it was going to be something we got to do together and kind of spend time together and hang out, which we just don't get to do much. James is in Virginia. I'm in South Carolina. We both have a ton of kids and it's just not a lot of opportunity for us to like hang out. So yeah, I mean dude, it was Oregon. It was for the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic last year that was the last time we hung out in person. And so yeah, I was bummed about that. Um, but just one of those things. Uh I had gotten in Sunday night and that's when I had called you when I got to the hotel and you're like, dude, I got bad news. Like this thing is not looking good. My flight's already <laughs> delayed and I'm like, oh man, this is this is a bummer. And so uh yeah, so Monday was I was a little bummed out just cause I thought we were kind of going to be doing it together and get to talk with different people. And, um, you know, I, I will say too, just individually, like a situation like that where you go in and you don't know a ton of people, it is a little easier when you have like a co-pilot with you because you can both kind of build the conversation and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was, a. I, let me tell you this. Cause I don't even know if we've really talked about it a ton, but So they had the event at the Grand Hyatt in Nashville, which is a newer hotel. And it was really, really nice. And um, I was impressed with it and thought it was uh, about as nice a setting as it could be. Media Days had three full floors at the hotel. So second, third, and fourth floor were all pretty much for Media Days. Second floor was like the main floor where Radio Row was, where all the press conferences were. Then the third floor was pretty much full of, um, well, that's where like a lot of the SEC network stuff was set up. So all their different breakout rooms and things were up there. And they had like a social media space where guys could go in and do different videos and whatnot. And then the fourth floor was where like the media dining and then some little breakout rooms for media and whatnot was. So crazy, man, the scope of it. And I couldn't really get over the amount of people that were there. I mean, I knew it was a big event, but, dude, it was it was popping. Like, that radio row kind of took up a full L of the hallways leading into the main conference room. And the main conference room was massive. I mean, there was probably... I mean, There were hundreds of seats where journalists could, like, sit. And then the SEC network um, setup was in the back corner of that room. So that's where they did all their live shots from. And... For Monday, I was working remote, so I really only spent maybe an hour, hour and a half in the Media Days area. Like I got credentials, picked up like the program and all that type stuff, and kind of got myself familiar with it. But then I had to work, so I wasn't really in on a lot of the press conferences that first day. Uh, Feinbaum had his set set up right outside the Media Days press conferences. They were doing stuff like Greg McElroy was doing hits all day out there. Uh, This is the part you should be proud of your boy about that. So all throughout the conference area, they had coolers full of every flavor of Dr. Pepper known to man, <laughs> which is like crack for your boy. Well, I think I only had two Dr. Peppers the whole week, which is insane, given that I would have preferred to have been like Forrest Gump, where I drank myself about 18 Dr. Peppers. So it was a, it was a gold medal performance of willpower, brother.
0: That's impressive for you. That's really impressive.
1: It was. I will also say this. Media food selection, pretty good. They had like a snack each day, which every time I read snack on the schedule for the day, I I will always think when I hear that word of Rex Ryan and the season of Paradox, let's go get ourselves a damn snack. (laughs) So, yeah, that's all I thought about each day at snack time. So, um, but yeah, Monday was kind of, that was about it from a business perspective. And then that night, Them Dogs was on, the documentary kind of capturing the 2022 season.
0: Have you watched yet? Yes, I have. And I mean, it was good. It was good, but it was just wasn't as good as Year of the Dog. Yeah. It just didn't have that same oomph to it, I guess. Like, Year of the Dog had a lot of funny moments, I feel like. This just was kind of felt like just, just like a just a recap.
1: Yeah, didn't you feel like, and I don't know if this is because the coverage was greater, but didn't you feel like you had seen a lot of that footage before?
0: Yeah, I felt like a lot of it came out from like their their weeks leading up to it mm-hmm. stuff. So, I felt like that I felt like nothing was really there was no shock value to it at all. There was no like I'm not shock value is maybe not the right word. There was no surprises in it at all. It was just all felt like kind of regurgitation.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they do that weekly SEC inside during the season and I think Georgia was on it like 3 yeah. or 4 times and I just felt like most of the clips were from those episodes. The, the only new one that I could really remember, or there were other new ones, but the newest one was the one of Coach Hsu before the Tennessee game talking to the defense where he says, everybody's saying this is a big game, and it's a big game. Yeah. Why? Because we're in it. And I was like, dude, whole body, like goosebumps. I just thought that was so electric. Yeah. So that, that, was the, that was my big takeaway from that one. But I stayed in the hotel room and watched it. I ordered in and then watched in the hotel room, which was cool. It was like a nice – End to that day, but then they had the media party that night was at Bridgestone downtown. Oh, let me back up, dude. This Grand Hyatt had a roof, rooftop like bar, which was pretty much all open air, like they had all the doors open and it looked straight down Broadway. So you see, like, Bridgestone and then Tootsies and like all the different spots, like all the way down to the river. Oh, that's cool, it was awesome, but for sure. Probably should have shot some content up there. That's that's a whiff on part. But I didn't know how like the wind would play and all that. But anyways, yeah, it was cool. Like the bar was on the inside, and then you just kind of walked out, and it was this huge outdoor patio where you kind of sit and hang out and like look. So I had a cocktail up there after them dogs, and then I went over to the media party at Bridgestone, which dude, that was nice. They had that in like it looked like the VIP section ice level for the predators which you couldn't see out to the rink, but you saw the rink as you like, walked in. And it was a huge bar. And, dude, SEC had a full food spread, and all drinks were covered at the party. Man, that's nice. So I thought that was cool. That was cool. And then they had a uh, coolest part for me, which would have been for you too, was they had every single member institution's helmet lined up at the entrance.
0: Oh, man. Yeah,
1: some of the helmets were like the new helmets, like Mississippi State's new script they're going to wear. Oh, that's cool. That was the helmet they had. So, yeah, that was cool. And, uh, I'm, dude, I met some guys that night who have a podcast, that do an Auburn podcast called The War Report. They were really cool guys. Um, Ike and Mike, two nice guys, had started this. Both of them are doing it full-time now. Uh, so I had talked to them about maybe trying to do something the week at Deep South Soldist Rivalry. So, yeah, they were, they were good guys. I hung out with them at the media party. Dude, they had a setup on Radio Row. Like, they were interviewing people all week. They do a really nice job. That's cool. So, yeah. So, so that, was, that was kind of day one. And then day two, I got up early and went and worked out. And as soon as I walk in, guess who walks in to work out? Who? Marty Smith. Oh,
0: that's awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. So, dude, he's working out. And it cracked me up. I haven't told you this story yet, but it was my favorite. This is what I knew. I mean, I knew before that Marty was our people, but this is when I really knew. Marty was our people. So, dude, he was working out. And he's about to hit this set. And you could tell, like, whatever he was playing in the earbuds just hit right where he wanted. And he just dropped the drum hammer on him right before he started (laughs) doing the next set. I was like, this
0: is my man right here. Yep. That's our people. (laughs) It It
1: was so awesome. Yeah, it was so awesome. So then, dude, just the way it worked out, we ended up finishing our workouts at the same time. Cause man, I wasn't gonna bother him like working out because that would be so annoying. And so I waited We were we were walking out and just happened to be getting on the elevator together. And so I just said, "Hey man, like you don't know me from Adam, but we got a mutual friend." And he's like, "Well, who?" And I said, "Ray Fulcher." And he's like, "Oh, I love that guy, man." And he proceeds to tell me this story. He's like, "Well, I was at Luke Combs concert in Charlotte like a week ago, and I was there with uh, who do you tell me he was there with? Uh, John Gruden and then somebody else, big name, right?" He's like. Man, I told him. I told him both about "Love You, Son, Go Dogs," and told him it was the most kick-ass song ever. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was. It was outstanding. So I text Ray immediately, and I'm like, "Dude, I just saw Marty," and he told me he was dropping "Love You, Son, Go Dogs" with John Grin. <laughs> <laughs> That's spectacular. Yeah. So that was that was cool. That was. He is just as like high energy and. I don't know. It was kind of cool to see that his off-screen persona matches how he is, like on the different shows that he's on. And yeah. Stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk to him about Giles High School in Southwest Virginia, but elevator ride wasn't that long, so <laughs> we, we could only go so far. I couldn't talk to him about his Radford days, but yeah. So that was a that was kind of a good start. And then, I as soon as I got showered and dressed, I went down because dude, Kirby was like ten o'clock Central. I think, because Clark Lee went first. Yeah, he because he was eleven Eastern. Did the setup they have was cool too. They used the Nashville theme for everything. So, like, did you? Did they show it on TV? Like, all the coaches' names were in like the spinning records and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I hope they did a nice job, kind of playing off of all that. And so, yeah, he came out. He was after Clark Lee. I only caught like the back end of Clark Lee.
0: Uh, let's just say he was uh, not super electric. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I didn't watch Clark Lee live. I taped, I actually didn't watch Kirby live. I taped everything because I was, because of missing everything. Like I tried to stay super busy Monday and Tuesday and I got home, I started texting. Right when you started texting me and was talking about, yeah. not to jump ahead, but Marlar's question. And you were like, I'm sitting right behind him. And that's when I like fast forwarded to find Marlar's question to, to, to screenshot. And I had just started watching it right when we were talking about that. Like I had just gotten through his, uh, through to that point. So, and that was probably like two o'clock my time. So I was like two hours behind it. So I was watching, I caught the very. I like skimmed through most of it. He was very monotone. I thought like just very matter of fact, to the point, um, which I guess is kind of his personality, which is kind of from what I understand what the Vanderbilt people like about it, that he's not, He's not too high and he's not too low, which is kind of what they want for that job. Yeah. I guess it's kind of what you need for that job, actually. Yeah. He was, uh, he was, let's just say, if he had
1: been a comedian, that room was dead after he got off stage. And then Kirby comes on, and you talk about polar opposites. He just had this presence and command of the room that was evident. And, You want to know the most interesting thing about the press conference for me was – and, dude, there was a lot of stuff, right? Like, and we'll talk about this. But Kirby always uses those platforms to set the tone and lay out what the theme for the season will be. He brought up the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team, and better better never rest. That's going to be the catchphrase for this team, which is outstanding. And, you know, he hit all the points he wanted to hit. The thing that I found fascinating was – I don't know that there was more than one football question. I think Graham Coffee from Dog Central asked about tight end usage. And other than that, I don't know that there was a directly football-related question the entire time that his media availability was open in the main room. Do you remember
0: one? I can't remember one. No, most of it it – I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I was kind of surprised with the questioning. Yeah. I thought this was going to be the time that he was going to get grilled about all the offseason stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was only one question about that. Yep. I, the questions were kind of softballs, for lack of a better term. Like, I feel like they were kind of soft toss. Like, we're almost playing wiffle ball. Like, I, I thought he was going to get much harder questions than – but, I mean, I guess when you're a two-time defending national champion coach, you kind of you kind of get a little bit of – get a little more clout with it, I guess – um, the the press conference was less. His speech, I mean, his opening was better than the questions. I thought. I thought the yes. questions were a little bit ridiculous. A little, little bit soft. Well, dude, he got three questions on
1: if they were cognizant of the history of three peats in college football.
0: Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It was. He can only answer it so many so many ways. Like, yeah, I, I thought the questioning
1: was much different than anticipated. Number one, I thought there were going to be way more questions about. The scandals, right? Like the speeding and the accident and all yeah. the things that happened. And I think in some ways that was muted because, dude, the AJC story where Alan Judd got fired came out Monday, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it was Monday. And so I think people were real tepid about asking about that, given that the journalist that had wrote the wrote most recent story had been fired for essentially not
0: having the information to back up the story that he wrote a lot of the pieces while some of some of it's based in fact were basically hit pieces and when you're getting a lot of your information from those hit pieces and a lot of the media backstorm blow up from it was from these hit pieces from the AJC yeah there's some truth and some fact to all that's going on with you know the speeding tickets and obviously the the horrific accident in January it's realistically all that's going to be handled in-house. Yeah. If a player gets dismissed, we'll find out about it. Yeah. But there's nothing more. He's not going to tell you what their punishments are. No. You know? And it's not... If, if There's nothing that we're going to find out from any question that you can ask him about it.
1: Yeah, I thought he just... he He sort of took command of the room. And it felt like he was doing what he wanted to do. And... I don't know, man. It was it was impressive. It was a it was a much different vibe from most of the folks that I saw throughout the week. I mean, he is he's an impressive cat, man. Like we've talked about this on this show. I've heard other people talk about it. And I think if he wasn't in the CEO role of this organization, he would be in the CEO role of something. I think he just has that gravitas and that personality. And I just think the motor too is he's just got a big time motor. And great, great sense of humor. Like, very quick. He worked Radio Row. Like, I went out and kind of watched him do some stuff. And he was just working people, man. It was it, it was impressive. I, I wish I had known. I didn't realize this till the second half of the second day, which is, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, never been there before. After they do the big stage, they immediately go into a smaller room and have an entirely another press conference where you can ask questions for another 15 minutes. Which I didn't know about. So, I ended up doing that for coach Saban the next day. Cause I knew and dude, And it would have been great. Cause it's, it's in the electronic media room and it was such a smaller space and a lot more intimate. And then you could ask questions and yeah. Anyways, for Dallas next year, we'll know that I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but so then right after he speaks, that's when they set up the player breakouts, which was all in the same room. So each player got their own individual the side, stage. Yeah. yeah. On the sides. And so, Brock was in like the front left hand corner Sed was in the front right hand corner. And then Kamari was in like the back right hand corner. And so I started with Brock because I was I was just kind of interested to in see him in person and see how he was and how he carried himself. He was very nervous. You could tell he looked at, yeah, it was very outside of his element, but I thought he equipped himself very well I thought the answers that he gave were great. I love that he talked about being a triple option quarterback in high school for a year or so, yeah. which, yeah, that was, that was fun. You could tell I kind of loosened him up a little bit because he was talking about something that he felt comfortable with. But, yeah, he looked very uncomfortable. So then I went – talk about polar opposites. I went from Brock's table over to Sed's table, and, dude, Sed's just holding court. Like, so impressive, so just right on task. And answering questions, being thoughtful, but also not giving away the farm type thing. Like, I just thought he did a very, very good job. And then, you know, he went to that leadership camp uh, up in, I can't remember, it's like right outside of Augusta or where it was. I think it was in South Carolina, but where they had some military tacticians, tacticians come in and do some work with them. Well, one of them was our buddy John Richards who we had on the show earlier this year. Really? And so... I grabbed said after he got off the podium and I said, "Hey, said, I'm, I'm trying to take too much of your time. But like John told me to John Richards told me to tell you, hi, if I saw you here. He's like, oh, man, like John's such a good dude. And so, yeah, it was it was cool because I think him and John have kept in contact and like talking about leadership stuff and things of that nature. So yeah, that was cool.
0: No, that's awesome. I mean, I, I've told you since since Georgia started recruiting uh, said that. He is one of the most impressive young men. And it's not just because he's a center, but I obviously gravitate towards linemen yeah. when they're they're in high school and stuff and we're recruiting them. He is one of the most impressive young men that I've ever seen in the way that they handle themselves and the way they present themselves ever. Yeah, Especially, I mean, from the time we started recruiting him at 17, um, when he was a junior, and he was a captain of, of I think they're 6A. I think he was a 6A um, in Louisiana. Maybe it was 5A. And he was a captain of that team, And the way he presented himself then, it was just so impressive. And then to see him grow and mature while he's been at Georgia has just been that much more impressive. I thought he had one of the better answers of the media availability from anybody, too,
1: talking about this pressure to repeat and doing a three-peat and all this type of stuff. And he said, look, man, all that stuff's over. Like, this season is now. This is all we have is now. And – it was just a – you can tell that that program has got it so finely tuned to we're turning the page and it's time to go, right? And so I, I thought he was outstanding. And then I went and hung out at Kamari's table to end and also impressive. I, I, was, I, I hadn't heard a lot um, from Kamari, like, speaking and stuff. Man, he was great. Super nice kid. I thought he came off super, super humble and uh, had the chain of the of the entire media days. I mean, that thing was – just fire. So yeah, yeah. I thought all three guys that the coaching staff chose to represent the university did an amazing job. Uh, were great ambassadors while they were there, and they had some fun throughout the day too. I mean, I think they uh, went and did radio row and did all those things, and I think everything went off well. So there were no. I think the thing you worry about at a media days is something coming away from that that's kind of a lightning rod or something that sticks with you. Yeah. And I think they avoided all that, which is the aim. So oh, also met Claude Felton. Got to talked to him for a little bit. He was super nice. So I feel like he is like prime minister of the Georgia Athletic Department. So it was <laughs> cool to cool to talk to Claude. He was just as kind as and gracious as he could be. So that was cool. And then um man, then I the rest of the day I spent I did a stand up interview with Chris Marlar, Vern Funquist on Twitter, also has his own uh, podcast, College Football Uncensored. Is that right? Must, am I remembering that right? College Football Uncensored, I think it's Chris's. Yes. Love Chris. Great personality. Super nice. Always been really kind about coming on and hanging out with us and um, telling people about our show and whatnot. So he came to did a stand-up with us, got some good content with him. You, boy, you talk about some travel adventures. He, he had what you would have had if you had tried to come on plane. Oh, my God like cancellations and delays. And I mean, he didn't get there till right before Kirby's press conference. I mean, it was a hot mess, the whole thing. So, uh, but yeah, it was great talking to him. I sat behind him and George Somerville from the, uh, I think I'm saying his last name, but I think it's Somerville from college chaps podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was a real treat too. He was so thrilled to be there. And he actually asked a question to coach Saban the next day, which I thought was an awesome question. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed meeting him. He was great. I need to email him because I told him we would get him on the show, and I would love to have him on the show because he loves college football. And he ended up, I think, going and touring the SEC offices and going down to Tuscaloosa. And, dude, he had a cool trip. So I'd love to hear his perspective of his trip too. And then – oh, and then we uh, did a sit-down with Seth Seth Emerson too, which we hadn't had Seth on the show since he released Attack the Dead. So it was good to talk to him and get his perspective. That's on – YouTube, and we posted that as a short, like, the week of media days. So check that out because I thought that was, that was good. I always enjoy his perspective. And I was also happy that he uh, survived the athletic purge because they got rid of a bunch of people. Yeah. And he's, he's still rolling, which, thank goodness, because I love, I love reading his stuff. So that was kind of my day on Tuesday. And then Tuesday night was Bluebird Night. Well, homie, the traffic in Nashville, like from 4 to 6 every day, was insane. Wow. I ordered my Uber at like 4.45 for this 6 o'clock show that is 15 minutes away. I, I didn't even get into the Bluebird until 10 minutes after. I was so late. They called me on the way to ask if I was still coming because they were going to give my tickets away. Oh my god. Yeah, because dude, it is it is like they sell it out every single show they have. Like People wait in line to go if they don't have tickets. And so... Yeah, I like got in there by the skin of my teeth. And uh, man, as always, the Bluebird did not disappoint. It was as as good as it was the last time I was there. And I was sitting like one person removed from the end of the round. So it was a really cool vantage point, very different from the last time I was there. And the guy I liked the best was this guy named David Duvall. He like hasn't hit it yet. But, homie, he sang this song that as soon as he releases it, I will send it to you. It was called um, Poor Decisions. And he has this, like, bluesy component to his voice. Man, it was, Ooh, it was like awesome. Yeah. I went and talked to him afterwards, and he was uh, just talking, like, man, he's just grinding, like, trying to make it and playing when he can play and writing when he can write. And I think he's got a little girl, maybe. Um, so, yeah, he, he was awesome. Then one of the other people he had with him, all he sang were songs that had been cut by artists. And like five of them were number one hits. Jeez. Dude, it was incredible. And his stories were, were really good. Like he was telling different stories about when the songs dropped and things that happened. And so that was cool. I, I like really enjoyed that. I posted one of his stories on our Instagram story that the uh, Bluebird had released. And that that's how he was all night, telling stuff like that. So. That was, uh, that was really cool. I, I just advocate, as I always have on our show, if you get the chance to go to Nashville and go to Bluebird, it is a must. Like You have to do it. So, yeah, that was, that was great. And that night, I just went back. Oh, I, I don't know. I've told you this. I go back to the hotel, haven't eaten. I'm hungry. So I go to this restaurant that's in the lobby of the hotel to get a burger, sit down, have a beer. Two stools down from me is Tess and Greg McElroy. No, you have not told me that. Yeah, so they're just they're just shooting the breeze, hanging out and um you know, I was there by myself, so like I'm just kind of not eavesdropping, but I was listening. And they were kind of talking about college football and talking about different things and this was the coolest moment. This dad came up with his two young kids and his one kid is a huge Alabama fan. So they come up and they're like, "Hey, we don't want to interrupt you, but like my son's a gigantic Alabama fan. I was hoping he could get your autograph and like maybe take a picture with you. Dude, McElroy could not have been nicer. Him and Tess, like talk to the kid, talk to the family, end up taking pictures with the family. Like I just thought it was a neat moment. I always liked these moments when there's no cameras around yeah. to see how people are, who they really are. Exactly. And they were both as you would want them to be. That's and awesome. so I was like super impressed with them and I didn't like, talk to them or anything like that because again I, I just don't like interrupting people especially when it's like after the work day and they're trying to have like a wind down cocktail but yeah uh and they'll never know this because they won't listen to our show but i ended up buying their drinks for after i saw the interaction with the kid because i was like you know good people are doing good things let's pay this forward a little bit and so a bought of cocktails it's kind of a show of put something out in the universe that's good because you guys are or doing what you should do given your platform and your stance so yeah they were nice well so then dude i'm walking out to go back up to the room with my food and at the host stand is takeo spikes let me just tell you my friend he is a grown man <laughs> dude it's one of the only times this has happened to me happened with the rock happened to somebody else i walk by him and i was so taken by his size and his stature i just go just came out of my mouth. Couldn't he? I was like, verbal diarrhea. Couldn't hold it in. He just I just go, You're the Chaos Bikes. <laughs> he goes, He goes, I am. <laughs> so I said, Hey, man, I'm Seth. Like, I ended up talking to him a little bit. And he was super interesting, man. You know, he ran with the Bulls this summer. Oh, my uh, God. In Pamplona? Yeah. Dude, he's got his MBA. He does his own podcast. Like, he is a super interesting cat. I would love to have him on the show. I think he'd be a fun guest. But, uh, yeah, man, he was real nice. We talked for a while. I told him, I said, "Dude, you could still play." It's like, "You look like you could drop some people right now." He's like, "Oh man, I'm trying. I like try to stay in shape." But uh, he was super gracious, super nice. That was that was kind of theme of the week for me. I don't think I had a singular interaction during the week with folks I chatted with that you know you were kind of taken aback with, or oh that that wasn't that wasn't a great interaction. Like nobody, everybody was real real kind, real gracious. Talk to Andy Staples. He was real nice. He was there at Radio Row working for Orn 3 with his new gig after transition from The Athletic. Um, talked to him a little bit about what his food choices were going to be in Nashville this week because, you know, he's a, he loves to hit the good spots to eat. So he was a nice dude. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my, th- my Tuesday. And then, gosh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, so then Wednesday was my last day. I had to go home, but I was there all day. And that was the day that Saban spoke. So went in and saw his press conference. Very different vibe from Kirby's. Um, also had command of the room, but it was different. I don't know. It felt like Kirby had more of a presence. And I will say, I thought Nick had more of that in the small room because he looked a little more comfortable. But he was good. You know, he talked about his, uh, I can't remember, his, his mamaw Sabin making cakes. Then somebody asked him what his favorite cake was. And so he chimed in that carrot cake was his favorite cake, which I thought, boy, this could become a lightning rod. So, on that subject, what is your favorite cake? Cake? Yeah, cake. That's tough. Like, if you were having Mamma Save and bake something for you, what would you have Mamma Save and bake you?
0: <laughs> that's tough because if I'm having a cake, I like me a good cherry pie. See, that's where I, when you said that, that's where my mind immediately went. Not a, I... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, when you say cake, like, I always, Whenever I get my birthday cake, I always ask for a dump cake, which is basically, and it's basically which a cherry pie, but it's with a cake batter instead of pie, it's a pie crust. So it's basically the same thing. So that, but my mind goes to cherry pie always, or a cherry dump cake. Oh, I like that. I, I like a good pie too. I, I think for me, I gotta cheat a little
1: bit because I love me ice cream cake. It's like my favorite thing on the planet. Uh,
0: Dude, kids, kids like that. It's it, it's okay. I mean, I see. I like. Cake with some ice cream with it, but heat up the heat up the cake. You hit the nail on the head. Kids like that. I'm a child. This fits perfectly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have a child's palate. Of course I like an ice cream cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, there's a spot in Richmond called Gelati Celesti, which I wish they had moved to Charleston or even Athens, that they make ice cream cakes and ice cream pies. And oh, homie, it is out of bounds. <laughs> like because it's homemade ice cream. That you're putting in oh. these concoctions. And, oh, it's so, so good. There's a place here on Sullivan's Island called Beard Cats that does one. It's pretty good. It's not as good as July Celeste, but it's pretty good. And Beard Cats is, is my ice cream spot. So if y'all find yourself on Sullivan's Island in South Carolina, please hit the Beard Cats. You won't regret Great ice cream sandwiches, too. And uh, that's where we get our cinnamon rolls for Christmas Day is from there. They do, like, a homemade take takeaway cinnamon roll. So, anyways, back to day three with... Mamal Saban and Coach Saban.
0: Now, now that we're hungry. Yeah, so. now,
1: now we've worked up an appetite on that. So he was good, though. He got more football questions than Kirby got, way more. You know, they had questions about the quarterback position and all the things they got going on, which I do think they are a very compelling storyline, which we can talk more about that at a later time. But, yeah, man, they got a lot going on. And, oh, that was, that was the one maybe I slipped in for a little bit on Monday. Did Brian Kelly speak Monday or Tuesday? He was Monday. Yeah, Monday. Okay, I went in and saw his for a little bit, and I, I, credit to him, he got a question about his southern accent, and I thought
0: I did yeah, see that. He, he kind of took
1: it head on and uh, was pretty gracious about it. So uh, that was good. They're an interesting case study for me because I think everybody believes they're going to win, and I just don't know. I'm I'm still one foot in on them. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a Jaden Daniels believer yet. Maybe I should be, but I felt like their offense looked better with the who is Nussmeyer. Who's the backup that came in against Georgia in the SEC championship when Jaden got hurt?
0: I think it's Nussmeyer. I honestly don't remember. I'm not sold. on. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sold on Jaden Daniels. I that is the exact reason why I am not sold on LSU. I, I think when we did our picks, I don't pretty sure I did not pick LSU to to win the West. Um, and I, I didn't pick Jaden Daniels to win SEC, all SEC be the first team quarterback. I picked KJ yeah. Jackson. Oh, he was good. Oh, he was great. Oh, so we got to talk about this. Pittman
1: spoke after Saban, and let me just tell you, brother, <laughs> he was must see TV. He's awesome. Like he was amazing. I am so in on Boss Hog. Like he is just the best. Uh, tell me that you heard the question that the one guy asked and said, well, last year you said after y'all won that you weren't afraid of drinking some beer. And so I just got a question. Have you ever had old Ham's beer? And he, said, he said, yeah, I've had me some Ham's beer before. I'll tell you what, though, man, it, it makes you burp a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a, oh. he's just a regular old good old boy. He is, man. I mean, just national treasure. That's what I t- tweeted out when I was listening to his press conference. I just wrote, national treasure because <laughs> that's what he is. Yeah, so I, I just loved him. And then I stayed for KJ's whole, whole session. And the guy before me asked the question I was going to ask, which was, when you've played on the road, what are some of your favorite places you've played? And then what was the atmosphere like when you visited Sanford Stadium two years ago for the noon kick? And so he answered that.
0: I mean, he did it gracefully. Like he wasn't—he did.
1: he didn't shy away from it. Nope, no, he—he he was good. Dude, he is—he is a large American. He is a big yeah, boy. He,
0: he's a big—he's a big kid.
1: I am interested with them though, you know, because they got new offense coming in, and they're trying to be more traditional. So, in some ways, I think that could be good for him because I think he could be a very good pocket passer. I mean, he's got all the tools. He could stand in there all day. But I also wonder if taking away that hurry up and that read option component I don't know man that might hurt them a little bit so uh, they're compelling to me too because I I think he to your point has as much experience if not more than anybody in the conference coming back this year and certainly has NFL aspirations and they could be a real fun team this year
0: I feel like that they're going to do with him what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts this year. They're going to give him free reign to run, but they're going to use him more on more designed runs, like quarterback draws, quarterback sneaks, like design stuff, instead of giving him the option to run and then use him more in like just traditional passing. Game. That's what I feel like they're going to do with him. Yeah. And I think that that's good for him because it's – not that he's not intelligent enough to do it, but it takes away the thinking aspect on the RPOs. Yeah. As it just makes him, okay, you can just, you know, this is a pass play. If it's not there, take off. Use your athletic ability. Yeah. If it's there, take it. So, and I think that that'll work better in his favor. Well, you mentioned it. Probably the coolest thing for both
1: of us with getting included in Media Days, which the whole thing was cool. And thank you so much to the SEC for. Uh, allowing us to come and, and cover it and have that experience. And thank you, especially to Herb Vincent, who helped us set everything up. So just a big thank you all around there because it was outstanding. But coolest part is your humble co-hosts got to vote for the media preseason polls and first teams, which I wish I should have side-by-sided mine and yours. The picks were almost identical and we did not look on each other's papers.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is true.
1: Yeah, like you sent me yours, and I was like, "This is laugh out loud funny." We essentially picked the exact same thing. I think we picked the East exactly the same. We did. The East was exactly the same, and I think we had the top of the West exactly the same. We had Alabama. You had Alabama win in the West, just like I did, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. And then we both had LSU second, which seemed to be a more popular opinion than I thought. I thought they got more votes than than expected. We both picked Georgia to win the whole to win the whole conference, which was the prevalent vote, I feel like. They got a ton of votes. A ton of guys got voted first team and second team and third team. And only thing I'm a little salty about, I voted for first team long snapper, our boy William Moat. Know your snappers, hashtag. Yeah. And he didn't get on that cut. I was fired up about that. I needed him to be first team. However, they did announce he's finalist for the Manley Award, Patrick Manley Award, best long snapper in the country. So – Y'all just need to get ready because you have to know. I'm going to be pumping that all year long. (laughs) He doesn't win the Manly Award. We've messed up everything. Moat for Manly. It works perfect. Moat for Manly. It all works perfect. It does. I got to make that. I'll get the graphic out. So, yeah. And that was it, man. Then I went back to the airport after the press conferences that day and flew my behind home and was at work the next morning at 830. So, it was a a whirlwind set of days in nashville are there things that i've left out that i told you or things
0: i should have touched on that i didn't touch on did you see any of our nets press conference while you were there did you stay for that no
1: i didn't i was doing stuff for our show when he spoke so I was doing some stuff okay. for our social and cutting up some of our interviews when when he spoke. I I should have gone to see him. I was interested in seeing him.
0: He did as good as he could have given given the circumstances. It's it was a it w- yeah, it was his opening statement was obviously it it very what much what you expected. And yeah. then the questions were they were sensitive to the top, to, the, to him taking over. But nobody is giving them a snowball's chance this year. And I really don't understand why. Like, if they would have brought in somebody different, yeah, I would have understood that. But the fact that they're keeping the continuity and just promoting from within and they're keeping the same offense, like, I think they're going to be just as good as last year. They're always predicted to finish last in the West. And they always surprise people. And they win eight games, several that they shouldn't have. And they're usually, I mean, they're not going to win the West, but they could, you know, finish fourth, fifth, you know, they're not going to finish last in the West. That's just not going to happen.
1: Well, dude, they got Will Rogers. My man can sling it. And he's yeah. been there for half a century.
0: <laughs> that is true. So <laughs> I
1: mean...
0: it's, it's next year that the year that, the, that things might fall apart when they don't have the continuity and the returning players and everything like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you. I, Mississippi State can be a tough out. Will Arnett's defense can be tough,
0: and it's a weird defense yeah, too. No,
1: no, that's not right. Not Will Arnett. What's his? What's his? Name? I'm thinking about the actor. Zach. Zach Arnett. <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna have an SNL skit while we're calling plays here. Um, yeah. So, I'm with you, man. I, they're, I think they're just as dangerous as anybody in that middle tier of the SEC West. If, if you are being honest about it, Kiffin was
0: good. Kiffin had the the quote of the week as usual. Like he's just great. Yeah. Well, what, did they, what did the what did the guys say that someone said that I look like you? And he's like, "What's your mom's name?" Or something like that. Which what's your, which what's your name? That yeah, was great. <laughs> just and he's so he's so quick with it too. Like and everybody busting on his appearance, like saying he just looks so disheveled, like you rolled out of bed. He doesn't care. That's how he looks. That's him. No, That's is. just who he is. That's How he looks, man.
1: Yeah, the lane train don't care. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, too, and we'll talk about this on later episodes, but that's a compelling little matchup for me, brother,
0: when they come between the hedges in November. yeah, I, That team will go as far as Jackson Dart can take them because, I mean, I, mean, I know yeah. they brought in, um, what, Spencer Sanders? I, I'm not sure that he's, yeah. he's ever going to suit up for them. Like, I'm not sure he's going to get medically cleared because, I mean, I don't know why he left Oklahoma State, honestly, but... I, I, I don't either. They're going to go as far as Jackson Dart will take them. I think if they would, if Jackson Dart would have played like he did before he got hurt at USC, he they would have been much better last year. Like they just they relied yeah. way too heavily on the run game, and when you become so one dimensional, it's easy to defend. So I think that that was the biggest issue for them last year. I
1: will say it, it felt in some ways like they wasted that final year of Corral. like. I thought that kid was super athletic. They had good weapons at the running back position. They had some funky games last year where you thought they, I mean, he always does this against Alabama, but I feel like they put themselves in weird positions against Alabama. And like, I don't know it for me, his rub is still, he is too much the gambler and not enough gamble when it's appropriate. Right. Like, Do what you do, and then gamble when appropriate. Like, dude, we don't need to go forward on fourth down with eleven minutes left in the first quarter. Like, let's. <laughs> there's there's a big old game to play that's right in front of us. So, I'll be interested to see if he has any evolution from that side. But man, they're gonna have a shot. They're gonna run the football, and if they can play some defense, and to your point, dude, if Jackson Dark can play, they're gonna be all right. So they're 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 real compelling to me too. Um, but yeah, I mean that's. It was fun, fun experience. They're doing it in Dallas next year, which I thought was hilarious that they announced that. I thought it was a gigantic middle finger to the Big 12 to say, hey, we're going to come have our media days directly in the center of one of your biggest media centers in all of your conference. So that will be, uh, I think that'll be a ton of fun next summer. Hopefully, we'll get invited back and get to go and do that again. But, um, well, yeah, man. So we've got some cool stuff coming up. We are going to have. Laura Rutledge on the show. She's going to tell a little bit of her story and preview the college football season with us. Uh, We are going to have Chris Doring on the show. He is going to come on, tell a little bit of his story and preview the upcoming season. We're working on having a couple others as well. And then, brother, we are like not too far away now from having our guest pickers coming back and have already talked to Travis Denning, our defending champion from last year. And he is all in to come back in. And we have given him pick of the litter as the defendant champ. He gets to pick the week that he wants to come on. I told him he couldn't pick week one, though. Week one's a bad luck week. You can't be the defendant champ and pick yeah. week one. That's
0: a disadvantage. So I honestly, I honestly don't think we should have a pick, guest picker week one. I, I don't, it's not fair. It's not fair to anyone who, to pick week one. Maybe we should have an old friend on that we could have picked twice. And then that way, we'll give them up. Yeah, but and, they get to, and their best week counts. Yeah, best week counts.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good <laughs> idea. We could do that. You know what we should do is we should ping Ray and have Ray come on week one because they got the concert that week. We can talk concert, have him pick games, and if it's a total belly that's up. That's
0: actually a good idea. If it's a total belly yeah. up from
1: a pick's perspective, then we'll have him come back on and pick again later in the year. Uh, maybe we'll do that. We'll, we'll reach out to, to Ray and do that. All right, brother. Well, that's all I got for SEC Media Days unless you got any, any other follow-ups for me.
0: No, I think we covered everything.
1: All right, guys. Well, next episode with me and your favorite co-host, James, is going to be us talking about the start of fall camp. We'll talk a little realignment and everything else that is going on in the crazy world of college football. Also, dude, I think we got to address the Gillis Bridge issue. I got some things to say about that. So we're going to talk about that too. So until then, uh, which will be soon, go dogs. Go
0: dogs. Hey, George is better now.